Alright, how are you doing? Everyone awake? Yeah? Yes. Cool, I'm glad. Matty, bro, come on. Um, Alright, so I guess reboot is the theme of what we're talking about and um, I hope something that is said today challenges you um, and I feel like I've adopted this style in speaking of whatever is said I don't care if someone comes out hating me because of what I have said, as long as it is biblically accurate and it's truthful. Um, so if you come out hating me of today, um, that's fine. Um, because I say that because I, I love you. I don't, I don't say this because of any other reason. I purely say this because your salvation is at hand, your friend's salvation is at hand, the people you know salvation is at hand so that's why it doesn't matter how you feel about me because I'm just a messenger Um, your conversation is with God himself whether right now or whether when you're when you face with him one day face to face is he going to tell you well done my good and faithful servant or is it over to the other side due to your choices so before we start let's just commit this time um, in prayer Father, I just pray, Lord, that you challenge us tonight, Lord, that you speak and that you say whatever you want, Lord, that you are the highlight, that you are the standout, that um, everything that is said today has got nothing to do with me and everything to do with you, Lord, that um, you just intervene, that you speak to people's hearts and you help people to to truly change, Lord, and to stand up for what they believe in, Lord. Um, Pray these things in your name. Amen. All right. So I'll start off, well, firstly, what, I, what I've titled tonight is Spiritual Foodies, okay? So Spiritual Foodies is my title today, and I'll explain that to you in a second. I'll start off with you um, with a story. So I was over in um, Dramana, and while I was sitting down, um, I was sitting down at this park, right? And I saw this uh, seagull come out, and there was a, a piece of pizza on the ground, right? And this seagull is just standing over this uh, piece of pizza, and he's nibbling at it, he's eating the pizza, and then other uh, birds of different types would come and try to have a bit of that pizza. And every time they would get close, that seagull would fly after them and shoo them away, I don't know what the right term is, but like just try to get rid of them, and then he comes back, And that constantly kept happening and happening where he kept showing all these other birds away and he kept coming back to this pizza and having nibbles at it. And while I was sitting there, it it struck me at that point, I had no idea what I was speaking about today. And that's actually why um, I felt like God was telling me to speak on this. So and it hit me at that instant in that I felt that that is us as Christians with the word of God. Um, We come to church We have podcasts, we have sermons, we have all these different avenues of hearing God's word. And I feel like we we are lazy in the way we are. Just like that bird, we are nibbling at God's word, so we attend meetings, we do all of the rituals or whatever you want to call it, but we don't do the rest of the other half of the work where we spread the gospel, where we tell people about Christ. And it's almost as if that when other birds, when other people come close to that, you shoo them away because of the way you're living or perhaps you don't want to stand up for what you believe in. Whatever reason you want to put that in, in, in that little box, right? 
We shoo other people away because of many other reasons. We do half of what we are supposed to do as Christians. And this happens to us as the church. We listen to another sermon and we say, yeah, that was great. Or I preferred the one that, you know, Shandy took last week. That was so much better. Or that podcast was awesome. Or that prayer meeting was awesome. And we tend to come into this cycle of, of comparison and saying which is good, which is bad. And um, it's almost as if we now attend churches to, you know, criticize things like the worship, criticize the sermon or say, oh, they don't have Sunday school there. So I can't take my family and um, I can't go to church anymore, whatever it may be. Right. And meanwhile, there are people that don't even know the name of Jesus. There are people who haven't heard or don't know anything about this person of Jesus. And when I say that, you're probably thinking of like the Middle East or Asia or whatever. You're thinking far away. But that's not the case. These people could be your neighbors. These people could be um, just people within your community who, who have never heard the name of Jesus. And you are among that community of them. And... Then when we are taught, you know, it's your duty as a Christian to kind of spread the gospel and whatnot. We do that out of duty. We don't do that out of desire. Um, we do it because we feel like, you know, that's, that's me as a Christian. I need to do this. But we don't actually want to do this because we love God. It's just the Bible says so, so I'm going to do it. Um, so we're doing it in the wrong sort of way, I guess. So... I think we don't need more sermons. We, don't, we honestly don't need more sermons. We need more active churches. And that's truly what I believe uh, a lot of churches perhaps may be lacking. Um, and it's also our time to stop entertaining. You know, we, it almost feels like as if sometimes we come here to put on a show or to find creative ways to reach people or um, whatever. I need to better my previous sermon these things do not matter. We simply need people who are going to pick up their cross daily, not just on a Friday night or not just on a Sunday where I come to hear a message and perhaps do nothing about it. Acts twenty twenty four says, However, this poor sings, however, I consider my life worth nothing to me. My only aim is to finish the race and complete the task the Lord Jesus had given me, the task of testifying the good news of God's grace. I understand you may be reading this passage and saying to yourself, well, that was a calling particularly to, to Paul during that time. And yes, it was. But it's also you fit within that bubble. Well, what did Jesus say before he, 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 went, he went up to earth? Go and make disciples of all nations. It's your job. It's my job to do this. And I feel like we as, as Christian people, we value the meaning of life. We value life in and of itself too much. We don't need more people. This is, this is going to hit you, but we don't need more people to stay alive and raise their kids. We don't need more people with more education. We don't need to carry our grandchildren. If all of these things happen, great. And praise God for it that you have lived to see those things. Awesome. But you need to count your life as nothing. You need to be obedient even to the point of death. You see, some we, 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 we look at these people and we say them, they're just characters in the Bible, but that could be you. What if God called you to go and preach the gospel to, to some nation who have never heard the gospel? Would you be obedient enough to even the point of death? 
to do what Christ wants for you. Because we tend to block God out. You know, he may be calling you towards something, but you have put up this barrier between you and him where, God, you can only operate in these areas that I want you to operate in. But if you call me to China, if you call me to India, if you call me anywhere else, sorry, but I can't do that. I want to have a family. I want to raise um, a nice family with kids having a good education, with having close family members. All these things mean nothing. Because when you stand in front of Christ one day and he tells you, what did you do with what I have given you? What are you going to say? Are you going to say, well, you have given me a family, you have given me talents, you have given me these things and I put them under the carpet so I don't lose them. He's going to tell you, you're missing the point. In order for you to have a life, you need to be able to lose that life. Hold everything loosely. Philippians 1.21 says, For me to live is Christ and to die is gain. You see, some of our life's mission are to become doctors, to become lawyers and other prestigious careers. And that's fine. I'm not having a go at you if that's your desire and that's what you want for your life. Go for it. That, that's okay. But those are your desires. And my question to us is, have you ever brought those desires in front of God before you got into those things? Because sometimes we get into something and we say, God, I want you to bless that. But God's, God's, God's looking back and saying, well, you've put me in a position where I can only operate in an area where you have placed me. You are telling me to, to bless something that you have chosen for yourself. But I wanted you to step into something completely different. And you block out God's voice from every other section in your life. So God's looking at your situation and saying, well, I'm not going to make you useless. I'm going to operate into those parameters that you have placed on me. And I'm going to try to put ways in front of you to go to truly where I want you. But at the end of the day, if you choose to reject God's, God's voice, you are only going to have God operating in the area where you want God to operate in, not where he wants you to operate in. Have you brought your decisions to God before you have made them? You see, we sometimes read, as I said before, we read the Bible and we imagine these people in them as, as fantasies or characters that are amazing. And, you know, they had a different sort of dynamic with their relationship with God and whatnot. And, but the Bible is only far-fetched if you are not obedient. You look at these people and you say, wow, Paul, you did that? You did what? Well, I can't, I can't do that. Paul, Paul's amazing. Paul's different. Paul comes in his own sort of um, side of things. He's in one corner and us rest of Christians, we operate in that area, not there. You can't do that because you aren't obedient. Myself included. I'm not just talking to, to you guys. But are you obedient enough to be called wherever God wants you to go? Luke 6, 46 says, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I tell you? You can't be a follower of Christ without doing the work of God. Yes, you have faith and you believe that Jesus died on the cross for you and the Sunday school sermons that we're used to hearing. But do you do also the work of God? Because it links together, right? And I'll, I'll explain to you, right? In the correlation of where it says, Lord, Lord. 
Matthew 7, 21 to 23. I've said this, but it's the scariest Bible verse there is. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and in your name perform many miracles? Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you away from me, you evildoers. And this verse really sits heavy because what if some people in this room don't end up in heaven? What if only some people in this room end up in heaven and the rest don't? Don't let this just be another message that you hear and go on living your lives as you want it to be. To buy another house, to raise my kids in a certain way, to shelter my kids from a certain environment. All these things are your desires, but does God want that for you? And as it says, um, they come to God and they say, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? Did we not cast out demons in your name? And when I read that, I'm shocked. I say, People who don't end up in heaven can cast out demons. Like, do you understand the the significance and the craziness of that? You can cast out demons in Jesus' name, but you don't end up in heaven? What, what What a crazy thought that is. I want us to know that just because you perhaps have gone on the Sunday school meeting or a youth meeting back in the day and have prayed a prayer of God, I, I accept you into my life that you are saved. That's the lie and that's not the truth. Um, it's not about one prayer. It's not about um, a certain moment in your life where you have prayed a particular p- prayer. And don't misunderstand what I'm saying. You are saved by faith and faith alone in Jesus Christ. But if your works do not reflect the faith that you have in Jesus Christ, I'm no one to judge, but that's a question for you to ask for yourself. You can't have faith without works and you can't have works without faith. The two come hand in hand. And there is significance when they say, Lord, Lord. If you can just imagine, Lord is written two ways. So it's L-O-R-D, the same spelling for both. But one is with a capital L and lowercase O-R-D. And the other one that's in the Bible is all capitals, L-O-R-D. And there is a difference between the two. Um, The one which is just the capital L and and the rest are all lowercase. Um, That's just God's title. That's the title of God. But the all capitals is actually the name of God. And the verses that we just read, they were just a capital L and the rest was all lowercase so the question is do you know God by his title or do you know God by his name because that's the difference between the two are you saying to him Lord Lord you can say to him Lord Lord just like a person who is saved and going to heaven but there is a difference between the two is he your sir is he a, a title is he a person of an authority figure up there that I just do kind of works because he's God or do you actually know who God is. If I know someone truly by name, I know his character. I know what he likes, what he dislikes. I try to please him in everything that I do. By his title or by his name. Matthew 16, 24 to 26 says, 
Then Jesus said to his disciples, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. And whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me will find it. What good is it for someone to gain the whole world yet forfeit their soul? And what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? Are you living in a cycle of where you're wanting to gratify your own desires, where you want these worldly things that truly do look attractive, I won't deny that, but are truly purposeless and lead to essentially our destruction? Or are you seeking the kingdom of heaven? Are you seeking God to know him by name so that he can give you what he wants for your life to be completed? Whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me will find it. And I feel like this is an important point because I believe that laziness is killing the church. Um, I know people who have a particular point in their life and I'm, I'm sure God will bring them back to be on track. But they've said, I want to spread the gospel to all nations. I, I want to be on fire for Jesus. I want to die for Jesus and all these remarkable things that we speak of. But our decisions that are based on feelings don't really mean much. Um, God is not a, a God of just feelings. It's not about me feeling good after a particular sermon or me feeling good after having some worship time. It's not feelings. The God that you want to follow and worship is the God of the Bible, not the God of your feelings at a particular moment. So all good and well to have those feelings at one point, but what are you doing to change your life from that moment on? You can have this sermon and you can walk away saying, Dave, that was a great sermon, and your life can go back on track to doing the life that you essentially were, were tracking and going along with. But what steps are you practically taking? Who are you getting help from? Yes, from God, but are you speaking to other people? Are you like... You have to understand that if your salvation is at hand, you like you're going to heaven or hell, right? So you want to do everything within your power in order to go to that place. And if you're only doing half, it's again not for me to judge, but what's what is it worth the risk? Is it worth truly not knowing of saying, you know, am, am I am I saved? I'm not sure. Well, I'm a good person and I do this and I do that. Be certain, and it's time for you to be certain by taking the actions through what you believe in God. And um, I look at our lives here in, I guess, a first world country in Australia. And yes, it's a blessing and, it, and it's great. But I also think as Christians, it's also our biggest hindrance. Because your life is not at stake every day. You wake up every day truly believing that you're going to have another day. You wake up in your comfy bed, in your, in your comfy homes, and there are people out there who are children dying for what they believe in. There are people who don't know whether they're going to wake up tomorrow. And when they are being persecuted, when a gun is pointed towards their head saying, you either deny Christ or you die right now, they say, I would rather die. And sometimes I look at that and, 
as, as crazy as it is, but I say, maybe I'd rather live that life. Maybe I'd rather us all live within an environment where essentially we're not safe from persecution, where we wake up and we say, I don't know if I'm going to have my last breath today. Because at that moment, you have full reliance on God that everything that happens in your life and every thought, every action, everything is truly based on what does Christ want and how can I serve him best? Because I don't know if I'm going to wake up tomorrow. But we are so comfortable. We're in this cycle of going to sleep, waking up, playing PlayStation, Netflix, watching endless videos. You can do whatever it is you want. And I'm not saying that this is wrong or right. It's not my place to say that it's your place to decide. But I'm saying, what if that time could be spent on something different? On truly understanding God and getting closer to him and doing the work of Christ. Did you know that every day there are at least 13 Christians killed for what they believe in? In the world. And I was reading this story the other day. And it was about Jesus coming to a person in a dream. And um, God kind of revealing himself within that way. <laughs> and and my, my instant thought when I read that, it wasn't, that's so amazing. I know it is, but that wasn't my thought at the time. My thought was, what if God only appeared to that person purely because the person God called to speak to that person in, who had that vision didn't actually do the work that he was supposed to or she was supposed to? I'm not, I'm not saying that that's the case, but it's just a thought that popped into my head that what if God actually had to appear to that person in that dream because you or me didn't have the courage to speak to him. So God is saying, well, this person's sal salvation is at hand and perhaps he's not going to have any other opportunities ever to hear the gospel. So I'm going to present it to him. And if he wants to reject it um, or, or accept it, that, that's on him. What, what if it's our duty to be in that place? Like, what if we are making God go over and, and, and beyond when it's actually kind of our, our duty and our work to do that. And again, this is just the thought that was in my head. This is not like right or wrong or whatever. Um, Proverbs 13, 4 says, The soul of the sluggard craves and gets nothing, while the soul of the diligent is richly supplied. We see a lot of people who, I guess, are, are lazy in their nature. They have desires and they have wants. And, and, and you can come into church and saying like, oh, I wish I had the faith of this person. Or I wish I could do these things. Or I wish, I wish, I wish. And you can. Like, this person is not magic. This person is someone who, who worked on their journey with Christ. There is... There is something for you to do. Yes, you accept Christ and you believe he's your Lord and Savior, but it doesn't stop there. It starts there. There is more to be done and more for God to show you as you take steps and as he's standing by your side. I was, um, I was watching this show called The, the Crown on, um, on Netflix. Um, and it talks about the, it's a show essentially about the, the royal family and kind of what happens behind the scenes. It's, it's pretty interesting. And um, there's this character of Winston, Winston Churchill, who was, um, I guess, a very famous figure. And he was the 
Prime Minister of the United Kingdom um, at the time. And as portrayed in the show, um, on his 80th birthday, he was gifted a portrait of himself, so a picture of himself. And he strongly disliked that photo. He really hated it. He said it made him look weak and he didn't want to see and he didn't want people to see him as this old man with weaknesses and whatnot. And he actually retired just four months after receiving um, that portrait of himself. He couldn't bear the realization of his reality. And while I was watching that, I was thinking, wow, this man truly hated the way he looked at that particular moment. And when I, when I looked at my life, I was like, well, I'm so comfortable at looking myself and being okay with the good things, but also the bad things in my life, where we should be looking at ourselves, evaluating our, our nature and our character and hating the bad things that are in them. You see, because we are conscious um, of our shortcomings, we know what they are, but we make no attempt of trying to change that in our lives. And if I, if I had the cure in my hand for something that you really struggle with in your life, something that you wish would absolutely just leave your life and you can be a, a much better Christian, as to say, um, if that thing was gone. If I had that cure in my hands and right now each of... And this cure works for every single person, right? So if I grab that cure and put it right in the middle of the room, nine out of ten people actually wouldn't grab the cure. Purely because they don't want to know, they don't want other people to know what they're struggling with. And that's not biblical. It's, it's, it's our job to come to one another and speak to people about the issues that we're struggling with. How much do you care about what people think of you? And the, and the things that you struggle with, it doesn't, it, it doesn't matter. You, as I said before, if you're truly trying to get as close as possible to Christ because your salvation's at hand or whatever reason, you, you let go of absolutely everything in, in your life that hinders you from that. Don't worry what people think of you, but run towards God. Don't, don't take steps, one step a year towards God, but you have to run towards God. James 5.16 says, Therefore confess your sins to each other and pray, and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. And again, when I read that, I said, well, what about the prayer of an unrighteous person? Is that not, not powerful and, and not effective? And I'm not sure. <laughs> um, I'm not sure. But if it, if it really does say a prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective, then by you working at your life to get as close as possible to Christ, you are not only helping yourself, you're actually helping other people. Because as you pursue righteousness with God, your prayer becomes more powerful and more effective. So that you're not only helping yourself at that instant, but you're also helping other people. Galatians 2.20 says, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. If you accept Jesus in your life, 
your life cannot remain the same. It cannot. It cannot be the same. Um, I got this example from, from Shady when he took one of his um, messages. And I'm sure some of you would have heard it before. If I, on my way here, um, was hit by a, say, 20-ton truck, a very heavy truck, right? And I come, and you're like, David, why are you late? And I tell you, well, I was, I was hit by a 20-ton truck on the way, so I'm, I'm a little bit late. And you're going to look at me and say, you're either crazy or you're a liar. And it's the same in our lives with God. When you are impacted by God, who is more powerful than a 20-ton truck, your life cannot be the same. Your life cannot be at a standstill. Your life has to be different. You're either crazy or a liar if it's not, right? And as I wrap up, um, I feel there are three types of people in the room today. Those who are malnourished, so those who haven't spent the time with God to, to truly know who he is. Those who are spending time with God and not allowing him the room to work, so putting God in a box in the areas where you only want him to operate. Or those who don't know him at all. Um, and those are questions, I guess, for you to answer. But all of those three things have one thing in common, and that is action that is required. Again, I'm going to say this because people bring me up on this point, but you are saved by faith and faith alone in Jesus Christ, not through your works, but your works have to reflect the faith that you have in God. What's the action that we are going to be taking? You know, it's time for us to stop being passive Christians. The hard work's already done on, for you on the cross. The easy part is for you to accept him and take up your cross daily. And I'll give you this example and I'll finish. Imagine you just bought a house, okay? And most of the time when you buy a used house, um, it will have some damages to that, whether it's broken walls or stains or cracked floors. And that's usually not because of you. It's usually because the previous owner or owners at the time but from that moment on, the house is officially yours. And it's your job to fix, I guess, that house. And to explain that further, think of yourself as that house. Think of God as the person who moves into that used house with broken walls and stains and the rest of it. God is the one who moves in. Before he moves in, you see yourself as broken and you see yourself as useless and you see yourself as whatever, fill in the, fill in the blank. But after he moves, he moves in, you see yourself as restored. Not through your attempts of repairs or trying to fix holes or anything like that, but through the grace and work done for you on that cross. You simply cannot be fully restored if... Um, God is not involved. You can't do it on your own. It's not through your own strength. It's through God moving in to that house, moving into your life and occupying that space that is left. And if you haven't experienced Christ before um, or don't know much about him, I truly encourage you to reach out because his word promises in Jeremiah twenty nine thirteen 
You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. That's a promise from God to man. If you truly want God, he's there. But you have to take a step of seeking him and seeking him with all your heart because he's, he's there to be found. But do you want to find him or not? Let's pray. Father, I just want to thank you for this time that we just had, Lord. And um, I pray, Lord, that you can move into our lives, Lord, that you can truly change us, Lord, that whatever it is that we're struggling with or whatever there is that is hindering us from getting closer to you, Lord, I pray that you just take it away, Lord, and help us to, to flee from it, Lord, to run away um, as fast as and as far as we can, Lord, towards you. We thank you, Lord, that your grace is sufficient, Lord, and the hard work was done on the cross, Lord, that it's not through our strength or anything that we have done that we need uh, to do, Lord, except accept you. We thank you for this time that we had, Lord, and we commit the rest of the camp um, into your hands, Lord. And I just pray, uh, lastly, Lord, that we would truly be challenged today, Lord, that our lives are a reflectant of what happens behind the scenes, Lord, that... Uh, we can spend time and want to spend time and desire you in every aspect of our lives, Lord, that we are changed, that our lives are a reflectant of that change, Lord, that we don't live another day, Lord, without having certainty and assurance of our salvation, Lord, but truly also taking our cross up daily, Lord, and doing the work that you desire from us, Lord, that we lay in front of you all our desires and all the things that we want for our lives, Lord, and we take a new step with you in uh, wanting what you want, not what we want, Lord, that if you call us even to the point of death, Lord, that we would be obedient and accepting to the calling that you have for our lives, Lord. We pray these things in your name. Amen.